ask you this. Let, let, let me ask you this. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Sports Central. Chicago Sports Conversation with Adam Hogue. Go, go, go. This is Sports Central. On demand and streaming live on WGNRadio.com. Right before the show, Harry had to bring up how my Wisconsin badges are not in the NCAA tournament. It's just not nice, but it's true. Welcome in. This is Sports Central. Friday, March 16th, 2018. My name's Adam Hogue. Welcome into the program, and we are going to talk plenty. NCAA tournament, but also Chicago Bears. How can we not talk about the Bears? Ryan Pace's press conference. If you missed it yesterday, we're going to bring it to you uh, in a little bit, and we'll break down what matters, what doesn't matter from uh, an interesting day at Hallis Hall. And the optimism with the Chicago Bears right now, it seems... It seems to be off the charts. I'm kind of surprised by it. Bye, Harry. Love you. Bye, Adam. Harry Tynowitz. For those of you listening to the podcast right now are probably wondering why Harry's in the studio, but he filled in on Bill and Wendy today, and they were in the studio right before us. So, a fun day of NCAA tournament basketball yesterday, as it always is on day one. But how awesome is it? that the local team and finally a team from Chicago in the tournament had the best moment of the night. Let's start right now with our lead. Here comes Loyola, a chance to win it. Towns into the front court. On the left wing, top to Ingram, three for the win. Good! He made it! He made it as the buzzer expires. The Loyola players storm off their bench. They are mobbing their teammate. That was the call from Westwood One on the radio yesterday as Loyola beat Miami on a Dante Ingram three from what I think was still part of the half-court logo. That was a deep three. What an incredible... I mean, seriously, I don't know about you guys if you watch this game, but some moments in especially the first couple days of the NCAA tournament. It just this happens every year, at least once, sometimes multiple times in the same day. But this game particularly, as you were watching it, just was, you could feel it coming. You could feel it coming, and the second Miami misses that free throw on the other end, you knew if Loyola was going to get a shot off, it was going to go in. You just knew it. There's something about the NCAA tournament. There's something about the first and second day of the tournament. These are two of the greatest days in sports in your calendar year. And for whatever reason, when those shots go up, they go in. Now, I was thinking about this. So there's 32 games in the first two days. Of course, I'm not talking about the playing games. I'm just talking about Thursday and Friday. There's 32 games. If you were to sample just a random 32 games from the season, how often are there buzzer beaters in those? I mean, my point is maybe this happens more during the season than we realize. It just gets amplified on these two big days where the entire country is watching. But even then, I feel like I follow college basketball pretty closely. Just random 32-game sample, I don't feel like there's at least one buzzer beater in there. 
And maybe I'm even overestimating how many actual buzzer beaters there are on the first two days of the tournament. Just feels like there's a lot. Technically, also, if we're going to be specific, this was not a buzzer beater. They added point three on the clock. But come on. The moment, I, I almost liked that the clock ran out and then the play-by-play announcers could be like, yeah, Loyola wins because you know, we work in radio and we like to have the, uh, the nice sound bites and the highlights. And it sounds better when there's not confusion. So it, it worked out pretty well. And what a story for Loyola. I tweeted out AMDG. I don't think anyone understood. Maybe six people understood what my tweet meant. That's ad mahorum de gloriam, the Jesuit motto. Those of us that went to a Jesuit school coming up, I went to St. Ignatius here in Chicago. By the way, that was the biggest victory for a Chicago Jesuit school since Ignatius beat Crane in 2003. Amazingly, I tweeted that, and a lot of people understood that reference. I couldn't believe it. But you're probably listening right now and not kidding it. It's okay. You don't need to. Uh, We're going to talk to Mark Carmen here momentarily on the show. Uh, He was actually with Loyola earlier this week and, of course, watched the game. So we'll we'll get his thoughts on this thing um, as well. But I, I, I just felt that that was coming yesterday. And I was covering the Bears press conference up at Hallis Hall and quite frankly missed most of the game. With five minutes left, I said, all right, I'm stopping my work. And the TV was on uh, in the corner and uh, watched the rest of it. And you just felt it, that it was going to go in. And it did. By the way, how about the Bears just not caring at all that Loyola had a game? I've, I, I'm sort of half kidding about this. I tweeted about it uh, the other night. But Loyola gets in the tournament and the Bears hold a giant press conference 10 minutes before tip-off. And then the the game was actually on in the press room, and they turned it off during the press conferences. Let's bring in Mark Carmen. What's up, Mark? You know, don't the Bears have any Loyola alums? How did that happen? All right, can you let's start there? Am I making too much of that? Because and I I realize the first two days of free agency. They're incredibly busy, and Ryan Pace doesn't care that Loyola has a game, and he shouldn't care. But he's also not the one scheduling the press conference. I'm sure they're scheduling it around his schedule and when the players are in there and signing their contracts and getting their physicals and all that. But I was like, really, you're going to do this during the biggest game of the of the day here in Chicago? And, you're, and, and it's not, look, the things overlap all the time, but this is a special circumstance in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, a thing about the world not revolving completely around you, is how I would put it. Yeah. And... You know, there's a whole, there's a thing that's like this thing, it's called a day, and there's 24 hours in it. So, you know, you can plan accordingly. Uh, If they didn't want to do it before Loyola play, they certainly could have done it after Loyola play, you know? I mean, there was like a lot of, I mean, again, it's not a huge, a huge thing, and the Bears shouldn't get completely killed for it, but come on, man, like everybody in the city is getting behind Loyola. You got Joe Madden doing videos. 
Ryan doing videos. You've got, you know, like basically every team in the city has supported the Ramblers. So, you know, just kind of goodwill to get behind it. And the Bears could use some goodwill. Right. It's just a good look when the big dogs in town are supporting the little guy. And yeah. And, and look, what's the what was the bigger story uh, yesterday in Chicago? It, it quite frankly, it was the Bears and their free agency signings. All right, it, it's just always going to be that way in this town. But what should have been the biggest story? Lo- I mean, I Loyola. Would disagree, like the, I, I would disagree. Like I think people were jacked about Loyola yesterday. Now, may, if they had lost. I mean, it would look a whole lot different. Well, but that's like, what I'm saying. Today, I think the fact that it was a buzzer beater, Carm, maybe it did actually eclipse what the Bears did, the way the game played out. But I'm trying to think of it like when you're planning before the day. Like, what whatever the Bears yeah. did yesterday was going to be the biggest deal because it's just you're signing free agents and it's the Bears and that's the, that's the thing. But to me, it's like you can move aside a little bit to allow Loyola to have its moment in the spotlight because Loyola deserves this moment in the spotlight. Give it to them. Well, that's true. And, you know, look, you you knew that the Ramblers in the tournament for the first time in 33 years were playing on Thursday. So that's going to be some level of story. You could have thought to yourself, by the way, this is a Vegas has it as a one and a half point spread. They got a great chance of winning this game. How would that look as far as RPR? Well, we know they're not playing on Friday. Why don't we just do it Friday? We'll have the entire day to ourselves. I mean, you know, they're Cub Sox in preseason in spring training baseball is not going to trump it. So, I mean, they, 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 like the front page of the Tribune today, you know, it's, it's with a whole lot of Loyola. And the Bears are there too, but, you know, you could have had it all yourself, so to speak. Yeah. They say bottom line was a phenomenal win and and good job by the Bears too. It's been a very good off season so far. What was uh what was your reaction as Loyola? I, I was just making the point here. There's just some moments in March where games set up a certain way where you know if the underdog gets a shot, you the ball's just going in like it's a magnet. It's gonna go in like as that, as they shot that ball. I'm like, yep, that's in. <laughs> I did not have that level of confidence. I like that you had that. Oh, I, I absolutely. Like, I was watching the game with Ike, the cam- the WGN TV uh, cameraman, and uh, in the Bears press room, and he's a big Loyola guy. He loves Loyola, and he was so negative. Oh, yeah. We're losing this game. He had no confidence. I go, Ike, if they get a shot off here, I guarantee you it goes in. I mean, it's. I was not thinking that, but you go back on the play. First of all, that free throw touched every single part of the rim before it came off. Yeah. Uh, on the one and one at the other end. And the, the rebound was highly contested. That's a 50-50 ball that, you know, you, you don't necessarily get. The Ramblers get it. And for Dante Ingram, who, I mean, he, he made three threes in the game, but he was three for eight. To rise up at that point with his entire career, the whole season out of line, and just shoot it with the confidence that he did, that's, that's just amazing. I, there's, a, there's a level of confidence that he had yesterday shooting that shot that I have never had in my life, nor probably will have. And, and, and there was a 6'10 Miami Hurricane sitting there who didn't put his hand up. It's a little bit late. Like, dude, what do you think is going to go on here? There's one second left in the whole game. Get your hand up. Yeah, you think he's going to drive? 
He's not driving past you, bro. That ball's going up right now in your face. Game over, season over, and you got to think about that for the rest of your life that you didn't put your hand up. You know, the college basketball dynamic in this city is, uh, I find it very, very interesting because we have great high school basketball in the area, and then it's just like it hits a wall when you get to the college level because none of these teams have been good for a long time. Um, Northwestern broke through too, uh, broke through last year, and Illinois before that was kind of the, the program that everyone looked to, but they've been really bad for a long time now, and it's just time for people to understand that and accept that. So, right, and, yeah, go ahead. It, well, I'm, the point being, like everyone just every year we have this conversation: why isn't DePaul good? Why isn't Loyola good? Why aren't any of these schools better when there's so much talent here? And, and it's like everyone's just been waiting for a team like this to come together. And when you look at the roster and you see kids from Whitney Young and Simeon, and, and that's where Dante Ingram's from, local kid who hitting the big shot, there's just a lot of... Uh, I mean, it's impossible not to feel good about it just if you're a Chicagoan. Yeah, and the town gets, you know, it's always said it's a pro town, and it is. But when DePaul was DePaul, back when Channel 9 was Channel 9 and there wasn't Sports Center, you know, they were bigger than the Bulls. And the, go past that. Like the fly in Illini, Kendall Gill, uh, that era, was enormous in the city. D. Brown and the Luther Head Illini was, was a huge deal. Northwestern was a big deal last year. And Loyola's a big deal now. So it's like, well, yeah, we're not like diehard college basketball living in, in you know living on a college campus in the middle of Wisconsin, but but the city will get behind a team that's good. They will race behind it. Northwestern has their you you can't get season tickets to the Wildcats next year because they have a new arena coming in. I mean, people jumped on that bandwagon after they went to the tournament. Loyola, I mean, you're, they're never going to consistently sell out the Genteel Center, but they'll get better crowds if they're competitive. People will support it. Because it's cheaper and 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 it's a good story and it's fun. So I, I, you know, why don't they get better players? I'm not exactly sure. But the whole thing that will never support a team here—that's just not true. If, if 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 teams win, people will come out. Yeah, I, you know, I I think they do, and I, because we see it with uh, it's not a huge group, but we see we we see enough of these basketball junkies in this town that that just want to see a team do good. I, I mean, no no one probably even really knows who Brian Mullins is, but he's an assistant on this team. Like I remember Brian playing at Downers Grove South. Like those those of us that pay attention to this to area high school basketball, uh you know, you kind of grow up with these guys even though you don't really know them. So I, it's just a really cool uh story. And now uh okay, what are their chances against Tennessee? I put Loyola in my Sweet 16 when I filled out my bracket yesterday morning because I like the second round matchup too. There's certain teams um, that just come together at the right time. It's usually a combination of being well coached, having an upperclassmen that are playing, and then when you add a balanced attack like Loyola has with five double-digit scorers, it's just sort of a formula that leads to these upsets in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee is going to be a problem because they're bigger and stronger. But, I mean, the reason to write like Loyola, in addition to what you just said, I mean, you you have five guys scoring between 10.5 and 13.4 points per game. 
But you also have a team like you watched them yesterday, like, oh, oh my God, are you the most fundamental team in all of college basketball? I mean, they turned it over 10 times. I've never seen a team, it was like, it was like going to a basketball clinic. You get the ball in triple threat position, you can shot fake, you can dribble, you can move it. Like, every, like Clayton Custer, their point guard, everything he does, like you are a coach's son to a T. Same thing with their other guard, Ben Richardson. I mean, they, they just, they're not going to beat themselves. Now, uh, they and they didn't even shoot well yesterday. They were four of nine from the free throw line. They're a terrible foul shooting team, by the way. They're barely over 50% for the season. But four of nine is atrocious. They shot eight of 21 from three. That's not exactly red hot. So I think they'll have to play a little bit better tomorrow, but they can certainly get Tennessee. Uh, but, you know, Tennessee's a three seed for a reason, and they were in the SEC championship game. I mean, it's a good team they're playing tomorrow. But, hey, I, I mean, I got loyal in my Sweet 16 too, Adam Hogue. I, I have them there. But it, it, it'll take a hell of an effort tomorrow. Where does uh, 98-year-old Sister Jean rank in your Chicago sports figures? Is she uh, rivaling Derrick Rose for you? I mean, she's right there with Ronnie Woo-Woo, I would say. Uh, I know, saw Ronnie in Arizona on Saturday. <laughs> how does he get there? What? How does he get to Arizona? <laughs> he takes the woo-woo train, man. He just shows up at Amtrak. They're like, "Woo, we got a car. We got a whole car for you, baby. Let's go. You go to Arizona. We know you are. You're good. Woo, woo, the whole way there." I have ridden. Well, I, mean, I have been on the red line with Ronnie Woo Woo, and it was by far the worst experience in my entire life. <laughs> I could not imagine riding an Amtrak from Chicago to Phoenix with that guy. It. it what an awful situation. Ronnie's uh, underrated quiet when the lights aren't on. Like I've had, a, I've had, I've had two meals with Wu. One was in a, a Mexican establishment right to the east of, of the L track at Addison. He was a very quiet Wu when he as he enjoyed his burrito. I've, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> right that spot. Wait, 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 wait. You actually have had meals with Ronnie Wu Wu. Well, I mean, he's a table away, but so you know, as I sat down, what's up, Ronnie? You know that type of thing. I didn't, I didn't share the same actual table, but I feel like that's that's a, that could count as an eating with woo. And then I wooed another uh, breakfast meal up in Uptown. There's a like a pancake house right by Lawrence on Broadway where Wu was in there with one of his fine Wu women, which uh, are always amazing. And uh, Wu was having a pancake. So, you know, so I'm, he was a quiet Wu enjoying his pancake, which is the point here. So, uh, you know, Ronnie, uh, all the way to Arizona, Adam, I think you might you might shockingly enjoy a Wu going cross-country. No, I can't <laughs> escape the guy. Well, what, what are you doing disparaging Sister Jean by bringing up Ronnie Wu Wu? <laughs> Well, I mean, you're well, well, you're going you're going straight to hell for that one. <laughs> See, I, I'm I'm that as a compliment to Sister Jean to put her on an icon level of a fandom of a team. I mean, Ronnie's a, Ronnie is an icon in the city. Didn't Tom Ricketts say that at the Cubs convention? He said Ronnie's an icon. They won't bring Sammy Sosa back to the team, but Ronnie was an icon. That was a direct quote, I think, from from the uh, owner of the Cubs. And Sister Jean, I mean, she's a flat out icon right now. Um, you know, making setting prayers up, and the players love her. The, the university loves her. Ninety-eight years old, going down to Dallas in a wheelchair—that's that. I mean, that's that's commitment right there. Yeah, I can't wait for the interview with Virginia McCaskey though, when the Bears win a playoff game. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> they might want to move that up to a preseason game at this right. point. I'm just glad the Loyola game didn't go to overtime because then the Bears would have scheduled another press conference. They would have like they would have called down and said, "Hey guys, we're bringing Sam Macho down for a press conference." (laughs) I I would like to personally, you know, make a plea to uh, to Amy Goose in the Saturday Night Special at WGN Radio that I think she should slide up to five o'clock tomorrow, so and that so we could talk at seven. Uh, because you know we're out to sit Loyola. Oh yeah, that's a bad look for the for 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 a, for a Mark Carmen and a Harry Tynowitz tomorrow afternoon. What do you have coming up tomorrow? Uh, well, we got White Sox weekly four to five. We're efforting get as we speak here. Okay. So uh, uh, I'm hoping that I've I've asked for Chris Getz. I've asked for Jim Tome, um, and, and maybe Farmio. So we'll see what comes through there. And uh, on the show, uh, you know, you know who I picked to win it all, Adam Hogue. I don't. That would be the Arizona Wildcats <laughs> all the way. That's awesome. <laughs> That's such a dumb pick. It was such a bad pick. I watched their Pac-12 highlights. I'm like. No, excuse me. No one's going to stop Andre Hayden, right? Um, and uh, yeah, well, that didn't work out particularly well. So, uh, loser for me, Adam Hogue, big, big, big time loser. Yeah, glad we're on the internet, by the way. Yeah, me too. Good. Me, me too. <laughs> You're especially glad. Wow, that's the first in a long time. Wow, <laughs> I was very, <laughs> I was very upset. Yesterday with that one. I mean, come on, give me. Can I get through round one? Oh, see, I I so picked bad. Duke. I picked Duke so that I could be happy when I'm wrong, because I hate Duke so much that to the point where I'll actually be happy when they are eliminated from the tournament and my bracket is busted. Yeah, um, it's just a good, smart, emotional yeah, I strategy. I don't, I don't like Arizona, but I don't. I don't have that Duke hate that you're talking about. I thought it'd just be fitting for the NCAA that Sean Miller would somehow end up in the finals and yeah. to talk about the fact. Yeah, but that you know maybe maybe there was a little karma going the other way. How do you go to the Pac-12 championship with the with a guy who's going to be the number two overall pick in the draft to get bounced in that way? I mean, it wasn't even close. Yeah, they didn't show up. Wow. I like the Deadspin headline. The Deadspin headline said Arizona avoids vacating future tournament wins. Good at what they do. Yeah, sister they're, Sister they're Jean was all over Deadspin today. They love her. Who was Sister Jean? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You don't see oh, Ronnie Woo Woo on Deadspin. Did you see? Uh, speaking of Deadspin, before I go here, did you, did you see the uh, ski lift in Georgia? Not 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 the state, but the country that lost its mind and was. They couldn't get to stop, and people were getting spun off the thing. If anybody has missed, it's it's a terrifying video, but one word. It's, it's really what the Internet was built for. And I hope everybody's okay, even though everyone's not okay. That's an unbelievable video. That's like a worst fear that everyone probably thinks about when they're dangling off a ski lift but never actually happens, but you're saying it actually happened. Well, it, yeah, and so, you know, at the drop-off place, it, it wasn't slowing down to pick people up or let them off. Or it, wasn't, it wasn't slowing down to let them off. So people were, it just, it was terrifying. Wow. Absolutely terrifying. Um, and so, so you had to, like, make the decision, should I jump off this thing at 30 miles an hour, or am I going to stay on it and it's going to, like, 
if I do, then I'm going to get mauled into a pile of metal. Uh, it was truly awful. So uh, you, the, the people that got less injured jumped off. And then those that didn't, I mean, my God. All right. Go skiing. It's a good look, uh, which, by the way, I took my girlfriend to go skiing up at the Grand Geneva. And uh, she, we didn't encounter that, but she did fall on the bunny hill trying to go up on the, on the rotating air, uh, airport spinner thing. Just went down hard at him, Hogue. Yeah? <laughs> like, she didn't even oh make God. it up the bunny hill. You did. I'm like uh, you said. You could ski. You just fell on the on the <laughs> on the roller thing on the bunny hill. We have real problems here. And then she ended up. Uh, she 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 went to get something to eat. She came back in. I was on the. You know, I was skiing while she was eating. I come back down. She's mangled in the corner and can't get up because she had fallen trying to put on her skis. And she's screaming for me, Mark. I'm like, oh my god, what happened? It was, it, was a ter- it was a terrible Sunday. <laughs> it was a terrible Sunday. All right. Well, uh, thanks for thanks for ending the conversation with two completely random stories, and uh, yeah, and congratulations for uh, not for not being on the actual radio and just being on the stream. That could have been the end of the career right there. Please do not tell management that happened. No, Thank no, you. no, no. All right. <laughs> See you, buddy. Mark Carmen. All right, Adam. I want to know how many you know hail marys do you think Sister Jean would give Mark Carmen? He's going to need a couple after that one. <laughs> I, I don't want to know. Should we hear from Sister Jean? She was on uh, with Bill and Harry earlier today on WGN Radio, and uh, she's awesome. We're not going to play the whole thing. We want to give you a few minutes from uh, Sister Jean, who uh, is really the Loyal Love Ramblers' number one fan and, and basically the face of the program right now, which is really cool. So here, here's the interview with Bill and Harry. Oh, yeah, I can, I can hardly believe it. And this morning when I woke up, I said, no, it's not a dream. It's surreal. It, it was just so perfect. We, we had a little struggle in the game because Miami was seated in a better place than we were, but we were determined. Our team was united, and they just did what they were supposed to do and go Ramblers. Yep. Sister Jean, I thought that your guy got fouled on on the play be- possession before that when you guys uh, missed a shot and your guy got the rebound underneath the basket and went up for a shot. I thought there was a foul call. How how do you keep from yelling at the officials when they blow a call during a big game like that? Well, of course, many times I have little things that are big things to say about the referees, but I have to kind of keep it to myself. And I know the coach can't talk about it. The, the guys can't talk about it. But I always say that I can talk about it and get it out of my system. But um, we, it paid off. It did pay off. No. It paid off. Mm-hmm. Is, do you mind, Sister Jean? I, I hope you don't mind to say how how old you are. Usually, I wouldn't ask a guest, but I already know the answer. Is it okay to say? Of course, I'm ninety eight. Ninety eight you know, years once old. A, once a woman gets a certain age, she's proud to say how old she is. There's certain periods in life when nobody wants to say how old right. he or she is. Right. Uh, my wife has our kids say that she's ten years older than she is, so everybody thinks she looks great. Oh. 
How about that? <laughs> That's beautiful. So what, would you say that part of your zest, your enthusiasm, is, is this team? Are, are they keeping you young to some, some extent? Oh, this team gives me, me life, and I say as, the, as I deal more and more with students this age, they, they keep me young at heart. That's what's important. Sure. And I, I learn new words every year and learn a lot every year from them. And this team is special because they are so united. They are team. They're truly a team. They like each other, and they're not afraid to share the ball on the court. Mm. And that's what they did yesterday. They knew by that time Dante was hot. He was a little cold in the first half. But he did other good things, but he didn't make points. But when when we were pushed to shove to push, and they knew Dante would do it. Now, you're okay with a guy named Dante because Dante's Inferno <laughs> wasn't the prettiest picture. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to say that I've known Dante for, for many years because his brother was a basketball player at Loyola, too. Oh. And so... I think it just runs in the family. <laughs> so, so are you helping recruit? Are you like going off to the, the Simeon and, and these other top high schools and helping recruit players to the team? Oh, no, that's up to Porter and the, and the other coaches. And I have to say that they've done a great deal of hard work to get the young men, to get the young men they, that they have. And um, people always say to us, you know, Take some more of the Chicago young men. And I think he's, I know he's trying to do that. But we also get talent from other spots. And you could see that on the, on the court yesterday. Now you'll continue to see it. How realistically, Sister Jean, how far do you expect the Ramblers to go? Do you expect them to win a couple more games? I, I do. I told um, someone else on your channel the other day that I had two brackets. I had a Cinderella dream bracket, Mm -hmm. and I had a realistic bracket. (laughs) And he said, "Um, we know what the Cinderella one is, so we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) I do have have Loyola going to the Sweet 16. Oh, nice. I hope you're right. Oh, I I keep saying today, when people talk about tomorrow night's game, I say, oh, Tennessee, watch out. Here come the Ramblers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, you mentioned Dante. So there's nine seconds left in the game yesterday, and mm-hmm. and Miami misses the front end of a free throw. The Ramblers get the rebound. They come racing down the court, and everybody goes to the ball handler who passes it off to Dante Ingram. He it, That wasn't a three-pointer, Sister Jean. That was so far away, it should have been a four-pointer. How, exactly. How was at the how, NBA. A line. Right. Mm-hmm. How religious did you get when that ball was in the air? Oh, I said my Hail Mary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's Sister Jean. Uh, what a great interview that was with Harry and uh, and Bill. Usually the Bill and Wendy show, but Harry Tynowitz filling in for Wendy Snyder today. Uh, early Earlier on WGN, you can listen to the rest of that interview at WGNRadio.com. It's definitely worth a listen. Uh, but 
We are going to move on to some other things here. It's, it's great to see what Loyola's doing, and we'll certainly be paying attention on uh, on Saturday as they take on Tennessee. It would be awesome if uh, they do make the Sweet 16. That's where I had them, and uh, we'll have plenty to talk about next week then on the program. But uh, look, look, the Bears had a huge press conference. It, uh, we Yesterday, we alluded to it a, a little earlier in the show. Felt like Loyola was the bigger story, and still do. Um, but I was at Hallis Hall covering the press conference, and there were some important things discuss. All five of the Bears' new big signings uh, were unveiled and held press conferences, but uh, most importantly, Ryan Pace addressed the media. If you missed that press conference, we're going to replay it for you right here on Sports Central, and then we'll discuss what matters from that press conference. But here he is, Ryan Pace, yesterday at Hallis Hall. So two weeks ago at the Combine, you know, we talked about the opportunity to improve our team in the coming months. Uh, we definitely feel like we're doing that. The first phase of that improvement is taking place with the free agency. Um, we feel very encouraged with the players we've added. With free agency still in play, that's still active right now. The draft fast approaching. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities to improve our team. Uh, it's exciting right now. A couple points on each player we've acquired, and then I'll be happy to take any questions. Allen Robinson, obviously a productive receiver, size, very good route runner, experience, someone we feel fits this offense very well. Uh, Trey Burton, you tight end, he's athletic, he can separate in the pass game. Uh, he also fits our offense very well. I know Matt's really excited to utilize this player. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, very athletic, sudden, just a guy that can generate big plays, an exciting player. Uh, Cody Parkey, a proven kicker. He's made the Pro Bowl. He's still a young player, a position we wanted to address, and we feel like we've done that with Cody. I think it benefits us that Chris Tabor has background with this player. Uh, That's helpful. And then Chase Daniel, a guy Matt and I both know from different points in our career, um, a quarterback we believe in, but also someone that we feel is going to greatly help uh, Mitch's continued development. Uh, So with that, I'd be happy to take any questions. Brian, with uh, Robinson, what steps did you have to take to feel good about the knee and uh, where is he at in that process and coming back and when can we expect to see him on the field? You know, you know obviously, you know, Adam, just getting him here, uh, going through the physicals and with our doctors, a lot of confidence in that. I think also with the fact that hey, he's 24 years old, uh, he did it very, very early in the season, week one, so he's already far along into his rehab. And then just knowing more about uh, his work ethic, his professionalism, how he's attacking it, we feel very good about that. But until we get him here, you know, with our trainers, with our physical therapists, with our strength coaches. I won't give you an exact timeline, but we feel good about it. How important was it to get a, quarter, a backup quarterback that did it as knowledge of the system to help not only Mitch, but everybody else it's, it's big. You know, he has obviously knowledge of the offense. Uh, Chase does. Um, that's huge. Um, that's only going to help. And then I think also the benefit, you know, look, he's he's played with uh, Alex Smith. He's played with Drew Brees. Uh, he's been around a lot of really good quarterback play. I think that only helps. All right, with Robinson, what specifically stands out to you about how his skill set fits in this offense? He, he's just he's a big target that knows how to get open. He's a savvy route runner that can set guys up. And he, he's just a proven receiver, you know. He's, he's a physical guy that can body and, and, and out-position guys. And um, it's a guy, um, obviously, we targeted, and we're excited to get here. Right, yeah, I think you know it's it, you know it's a good feeling when you know um, players want to be here, you know, and uh, and you can feel that, Brad, and I think that's accurate. You know, I think you know it starts you know with our staff and, and with Matt Nagy and our quarterback and uh, the city of Chicago and uh, 
there was a different vibe this year. Right, besides the, the knee, Robinson also had a little bit of a downturn in his production from that big year he had three years ago now. How, how did that figure into your evaluation of him as far as, far as where he is as a receiver when he fell? Yeah, Mark, we went back and looked at all of it, you know, every, you know, really all his years and and how how the production came. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, as you know, it's a thorough, long process, and we felt uh, very comfortable and then very excited to be able to add him here and, and what he's going to do in this offense. Right, with the Taylor Gabriel, what did you see from him maybe between 2016 2017 it tells you that from now on he can be more like 2016 and above. You know, obviously, you know, there's there some changes there w- with the staff, but, you know, I thought in both years, you know, he's, he's an explosive uh you know, kind of an electric player, you know, that you can use in a variety of ways. Um, we have coaches on our staff now that have been with him going back to the Cleveland days. So we know a little bit about his makeup, his competitiveness. Um, and when you meet him and you guys will meet him today, uh, those qualities stand out just even in these settings. How important was it to find not only players that fit the offense, but versatile players that fit multiple different spots within the offense? Yeah, you know, and I think one thing that was good this year is just our alignment uh, with the coaches and just, and just feeling that. And, like, Matt does an unbelievable job of painting a vision for the player and then it's up to us to go find those guys you know with our coaching staff and I feel very aligned in that right now and excited about this yeah it's going on right now as we speak you know it's uh it's it's funny you're uh you know you're one day into free agency and nowadays it feels like you're already in that second wave a little bit um but yeah that's ongoing right now are you able to target need more in free agency than you normally would in the draft i think so you know you, you can fill some of that and it allows you to take the best player available in the draft how would you characterize your guys' approach to free agency this year? And is it fair to say it was different than previous years? Um, I just, you know, I think, um, I don't know if I would say it was different. You know, I think we're, we're always uh, aggressive when we need to be aggressive and, and calculated. And as we talk about a lot, you know, there's risk in free agency and trying to be measured with that. But when you identify a player, this, this, is, this is what I feel. When, when we're all uh, united, our coaches and our scouts on the vision for the player and how we feel about the player, let's go get that guy, you know, and, and, and give it our best shot. And, and we did that. And if you'd have told me two days ago that, hey, I'd be coming here talking about these five players, we all would have taken that. So I, the whole building's excited right now. Is there a difference in, in where you were aiming in terms of the tiers of the market this year? Um, I, I wouldn't say that, Rich, yeah. You know, I think you're you're learning every year. You know, I think you know you you know free agency. These deals are going up and up every year. You know, I thought uh, I want to give uh, Joey Lane a lot of credit. This process, um, Joey did a very good job of projecting where these numbers would come in. You know, so it kind of gave us some parameters as we went into these negotiations, and. Uh, and uh, he did a good job kind of nailing these things home. Right. What do you like about uh, how Trey Burton can fit into this offense? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, one of the first conversations uh, Matt and I had once kind of everything calmed down and we are just talking football uh, was the value of this position, the value of the U tight end position in this offense. Um, and he painted that picture very clear, um, which is great for a scout to hear because then, it, it makes it easier to go find that that person, and so um, 
trait, he, he just fits a lot of the qualities we're looking for in this offense. I think, you know, obviously as a receiver, his ability to separate, he's got good hands, he's an intelligent player. Um, we just feel there's a lot of upside ahead of him, and we feel like this offense will maximize that upside. Grant, how does, how does Burton, how does he affect uh, Adam Shaheen's development? Are they complementary players? Are they different players? How do those two fit uh, to get Shaheen supposedly going to have a mm-hmm. breakout type of year? Yeah, and Mark, I think we can utilize all our tight ends. I think, you know, the, the Super Bowl champions are a recent example of that, of using a lot of tight ends. And so they're all valuable weapons. They're all a little different. I think they all complement each other. Um, and so it fits together nicely. So this won't affect Shaheen's snaps, let's say, just looking ahead? I mean, does no, it... we, we see it as an advantage of them being together. Ryan, we're seeing an unusual, across the league an unusual number of three-year big money deals that would have probably been four or five in the past years. Do you think there's a direct correlation to the fact that I don't know if I'd go there. I think you know there, there's trends that happen each year, and if if you're going to be competitive in free agency, you kind of know what you're dealing with, you know. And and uh, and we wanted to be competitive, and we wanted to be aggressive on the players that we had clear visions for. Right. Some people felt like they they wanted to be here when you talked to them. How much of a factor did Mitch play in that when you're talking to these players? I think there's excitement around the league with Mitch, you know, and I just think um, not just for the. the um, the talent that he is, but the person that he is. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, let's, let's be honest, you know, t- teams pay, or players pay attention to who the quarterback is and who they're going to potentially pair with. And uh, there's a lot of excitement around the quarterback, and that definitely helps. We like Deion Sims, a well rounded tight end. We're excited we got him. Yeah. Don't see the transition tag used a whole lot. Why did you go that route with Kyle? You know, those are things that we talked about a lot, you know, kind of behind the scenes. And uh, when we get into the contracts and the details, those are kind of, those are, you know, kept behind the scenes. Um, obviously, you guys know how we feel about Kyle. We value Kyle. We like Kyle. And we just figured that was the best course of action. Right. Obviously, last year's raising class fizzled out. So what tells you that this group will be different? Yeah, you know, I think, Dan, we talk about it. there's risk with free agency. You know what I mean? And you're not going to, you're not going to hit home runs, you know, all the time, you know. And, uh, and unfortunate, some of those didn't work out, you know. But I can talk about the excitement of this class and how we feel about these guys and the vision that we have for these guys. Um, and we're excited about that. What do you most collectively about this group? Um, I think just, you know, we talked about being able to quickly add weapons to our offense, you know, and I, and I feel like we've definitely done that. Um, you know, being able to upgrade the kicker position, that stability there, we feel like we've done that. And then and then with Chase, he's, Chase is a guy that, you know, I know from background in New Orleans. Matt knows from background in Kansas City. He's familiar with the offense. And I just think uh, we've talked about the value of that room, and having him in the room is very beneficial. Well, I know you guys obviously brought back Sam uh, and but still a lot of bodies to fill there. At that outside linebacker position, what kind of qualities are you looking for? Yeah, the number one trait you look for announced those outside linebackers, pass rushers, you know. And, you know, one thing we got to be mindful of, and I think somebody just said we're only one day into free agency, so there, there's so many avenues to continue to improve our team. Uh, there's still positions of need, uh, and we'll do that. Did Mitch work the phones at all to talk to the receivers, or is that tampering that you can't do? It? Can't do that. Yeah. Ryan, 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 how close do you feel like you are to either challenging for a winning record or even a playoff spot at this point? You know, we just started the offseason uh, acquisition period now. We're only Again, we're only one day into it. So let's take it step by step. Uh, the excitement of the draft is right around the corner, and that's our primary mode for uh, adding talent to our team. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. What if Pace had just been like, yeah, we're going to the playoffs? I always love that question. What's it going to say to that? Um, all right. 
a few things I want to hammer out from that press conference. Uh, and it was kind of done really quickly. Busy time for Ryan Pace, but he did take the time to uh, speak with us. And there were and there were a few things I want to talk about and hopefully uh, clear up for you. Uh, one, one thing is, you heard him mention a couple times the U tight end. And that is what Trey Burton is. And, and these days you hear all these... Kind of, they're they're not necessarily new terms, but they're thrown out there more, especially today because you have more hybrid positions all over uh, on both sides of the football. Really, you know, look at Tyron Matthew right now on the defensive side. Definitely a hybrid type safety linebacker corner type dude. But the U tight end, it's also called a Joker tight end. That's what Trey Burton is, and it and it's more of a blend of a wide receiver and a tight end. I mean, we're talking about a pure pass catcher. Catch first, block second. You've heard the term H-back a lot, too. That's more of a fullback slash tight end. So that's going to be a guy that is a blocker but is athletic enough to move around and maybe even take a handoff once or twice. So I want to clear that up. And the reason I want to bring that up is because you heard towards the end there, Brad Biggs asked Ryan Pace about Deion Sims, which was definitely one of the questions we had yesterday. Deion Sims is owed $4 million today, which I think, uh, I guess I don't know the specific time, but usually it's 3 o'clock. So uh, if he's not let go today, he will earn that money. And if he earns that money, he will... Almost, most definitely, be on the team, and, and in, Deion Sims is is an interesting case because I, I feel like there's been a rush this week to get rid of Deion Sims. Deion Sims was fine last year; uh, he wasn't quite as good catching the ball as I thought. And but my bigger issue was there were some times on uh, he was okay in line blocking, but when they asked him to get to the outside on some runs, he he, he would whiff a lot. That was my biggest problems as I went through and, and, and graded Deion Sims' film. But I'm also a big believer in don't create more problems. The Bears are not up against the cap. Are they paying Deion Sims more than he's probably putting out? Sure. But Trey Burton does not play Deion Sims' position. Adam Shaheen does not play Deion Sims' position. At least he can't unless he gets you know a lot better blocking and, and, and gets a lot stronger. So, if you get rid of Deion Sims, you have to find another Deion Sims. And the Bears signed Daniel Brown today, re-signed him to a one-year contract. Again, he's not, he's not really a Deion Sims-type blocking tight end. He's really signed, re-signed here, I think, for... Special teams. So I, I, you hear Ryan Pace in that press conference say, we like Deion Sims, we're excited to have him. I, I think Deion Sims is probably still going to be on this team going forward, and that's fine. Uh, another big theme yesterday, and you always have to be careful about this. Because let's not forget, the biggest reason why all these guys signed here is because of the money. All right? With maybe a few exceptions. Chase Daniel knows Matt Nagy really well. His wife's are friends. But even he got paid $7 million guaranteed. Chase Daniel 
Nine years in the NFL, two starts. $7 million guaranteed. It always comes down to the money. That being said, I do think that there is some legitimacy here to the ongoing conversation this week that the Bears have become an attractive destination offensively. And I think Matt Nagy is a big reason for that. I mentioned after I was in Minnesota for the Super Bowl. Because at that point, Matt Nagy had just been hired. Didn't know a whole lot about him. Didn't really know a whole lot about his reputation around the league. And the Super Bowl is great because you got people from all over the, uh, the league that show up. You get to talk to, you know, assistants that are there. I mean, we had a great conversation with John Filippo that we played on the show. And I didn't even know he knew Matt Nagy. But he went off on a tangent about him and how much he loved him. And that was unprompted. And I had a lot of more conversations off the record along those lines. I could not find anybody to give me one complaint about Matt Nagy. Can he coach? I don't know. I think he can coach offense. I don't know if he can be a head coach. We're not going to find that out until the season starts. But right now, and I think that the last couple days have been have been proof of this. Players want to come play in this offense. Players want to come play with Mitch Trubisky. We heard that from Allen Robinson yesterday. Allen Robinson said that because he was hurt last year, he watched a lot more football from around the league. And he liked what he saw when he watched the Chiefs. He mentioned how the Chiefs were on primetime a lot. They were on primetime a lot last year. I feel like I watched a lot of Chiefs football last year. And he liked what they did offensively. And then he he referenced Mitch Trubisky. He said it was a night game against the Packers. I think he was referring to the Monday nighter against the Vikings, his first start. And he said that Trubisky popped out to him. Taylor Gabriel said that he had a conversation with Trubisky off the field at the end of their week one game when the Falcons were here at Soldier Field. Trubisky didn't even play in that game, but that conversation stuck with Taylor Gabriel. You heard Ryan Pace in that press conference mention not only what Trubisky's doing on the field, but off the field. Mitch is quickly getting a reputation for being a great teammate, a hard worker, and that stuff carries around the league. It does, trust me. The same reasons why Jay Cutler's reputation, the opposite, carried around the league real fast. All right? So I do think there's some legitimacy here with that idea that players want to come play. I think we've seen that the last few years on defense. People respect Vic Fangio. But it even helps the defensive side of the football when guys come here knowing that there's a capable offense that's not going to put the defense on the field for the entire game. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Aaron Lynch because that's where I want to go next. Ryan Pace didn't really have a good answer for what the plan here is defensively, especially when it comes to pass rushers. He's now referenced twice since the combine how important it is to have pass rushers. Well, right now they have Leonard Floyd coming off a knee injury, Sam Acho and Aaron Lynch. With like Isaiah Irving and Howard, I don't even know, actually now, I'm not even sure Howard Jones is on the roster. 
But Isaiah Irving, who I do think has some upside, young undrafted free agent from last year who who could take a step forward this year. But I still think we got to keep expectations tempered there. They got some work to do. And I think I referenced this yesterday. I don't know how you get Bradley Chubb. I'm not. I, I don't think Bradley Chubb is my. I mean, I'd rather have Saquon Barkley or Quentin Nelson before Bradley Chubb. But it, it, it gets. It gets to this conversation, and I don't think this is going to happen. But let's say hypothetically, the Bears are sitting there at number eight, and Bradley Chubb and Quentin Nelson are available. Well, for me, Nelson's the better player, but this is where you start talking about sticking to your draft board. You take best player available or what you need. And the Bears do need help on their offensive line. Let's not forget that. But this is starting to become a dire situation on the edge. And unless Leonard Floyd's going to pop up out of nowhere next year with 15 sacks, they got a lot of work to do. And I don't really know how Ryan Pace is going to get this done. All right. Just wanted to uh, address the Bears news from yesterday. Got plenty of buried headlines to get to today as well. Um, and, and a lot of these college basketball related because that's the big, uh, big event going on this week. But. Um, I, I love this story from yesterday. Stephen F. Austin played Texas Tech. Stephen F. Austin uh, gave Texas Tech a ride, but ultimately fell short 70-60. to 60. This story from TheBigLead.com. 14th-seeded Lumberjacks had a 7-point lead with 10 minutes to play, but were simply overpowered by the Red Raiders. The better team surviving a scare to advance over a plucky underdog is standard opening round stuff. So it's a bit weird that Stephen F. Austin coach Kyle Keller appeared to put some of the blame on millennials during his post-game availability. The quote from Keller, the, mill- the millennials today, they don't even watch college basketball. A lot of our guys didn't even know who those cats were, referring to Texas Tech, because they don't watch the game. They're on their phone and doing that kind of stuff. I hate to say it, but as much as you or I or anybody in here watches the games, they don't. Or the NBA. They might watch the slam dunk contest in February on TNT or whatever, but that's about the extent of it. Keller, clearly believing he was proving something, continued. Quote, If I don't read it and study it and learn and try to figure these kids out, I have no chance to coach because the way I was taught as a child was, hey, you are going to eat what is on your plate. If not, you're going to sit here. I had to sit at the kitchen table one Saturday afternoon because I didn't want to eat green beans or salmon patties. So we have a lot of green beans on our team meals. And I tell that story to our guys. But you have to adjust. You better learn to give and some take... You better learn to give and some take with these kids, I think. Anyone else as confused as I am about this? I know I am. I I don't really understand what his point is. Uh, The story goes on to say, Interestingly enough, Pew Research has set the cutoff for a millennial as birth year 1996, meaning a majority of the players in the NCAA tournament don't qualify as such. Instead, they are Generation Z, the next group 
that will be used as universal scapegoats. Isn't that true? I mean, isn't this what we're doing with millennials? Like, I, I imagine that every young generation that comes along, the older people blame them for everything. It's true. And you know what? And this is getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but there's a, a pretty cool Microsoft commercial that goes on right now with uh, Common. And Common goes on this like rap poem thing where he brings up a great point that this generation right now has more power in their fingertips with their phones than previous generations had their entire lives. Like literally, right now, what I'm holding my phone up in the air like compare that to a hundred years ago. Like you couldn't even you could barely do a radio show a hundred years ago. You know what I mean? Certainly couldn't have all this information at my disposal right now. Like Tiger Woods is one over on his round with five holes into it. No one would have any idea what Tiger Woods was doing right now. That was a weird rant by the Stephen F. Austin coach. Uh, All right. Pittsburgh basketball, since Jamie Dixon left, is a mess. They've already fired Kevin Stallings, who they had hired from Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, I actually thought that was a good hire at the time. Uh, But eight Pittsburgh players asked to explore transfer options in the wake of the coaching change. So eight more players transferring out of Pitt. And basically, it's because they like Coach Stallings. One of the players, uh, let's see, Parker Stewart, talented freshman. We had a tough year, but most of the team was freshmen, and we felt like we'd have a chance to improve next year, Stewart told ESPN. We liked Coach Stallings. He was a great guy as a person, and he treated us well. Uh, Talented safety Eric Reed says owners haven't signed him because of protests. This was from ESPN. Two days into free agency, many players have signed with new teams or re-signed with their current ones. Safety Eric Reed isn't one of them. Reed, who was the first player to kneel alongside Colin Kaepernick during the national anthem in protest of racial inequality and systematic oppression, took to Twitter on Thursday afternoon to state his feelings on how his protests might be affecting his job search. Eric Reed wrote on Twitter, The notion that I can be a great signing for your team for cheap, not because of my skill set, but because I've protested systematic oppression is ludicrous. If you think it is, then your mindset is part of the problem too. By the way, Colin Kaepernick was out working out the other day and... Look, I still don't think Colin Kaepernick's an outstanding quarterback, but I think he's a lot better than a lot of these other guys in the league. It's pretty clear that that guy's getting blackballed, and maybe Eric Reed is now too. Uh, Here's a headline that I feel like comes out uh, at least once a year, sometimes twice. Bengals' Vontez Perfect facing four-game suspension for PED violation. I guess you can cut it off at suspension. He's always getting suspended for something. This time it's performance-enhancing drugs. Um, so he's going to be out. 
first of four weeks, unless I guess he will appeal, so there will be an appeal date. But I think this is the fourth straight year that he's suspended to start the season. So he's got that streak alive. All right, last thing we'll end the show on. Did anybody see LeBron's dunk last night? Is it Yusef Nurkic? He's seven feet tall, and LeBron James just, like, jumped over him. It was incredible. Some people are even calling it the greatest dunk of LeBron's career. I don't know about that. I have to go back and watch the highlight video before we start doing that. That sounds like a recency bias. But, all right. Fun show, interesting show, thanks to Mark Carmen And uh, it's been a fun week with free agency and the NCAA tournament. I am taking a week off. I will uh, not be here next week. I'm headed on a vacation before baseball season starts and we start the whole grind over again. It's been a long time since I had some time off. But Kevin Powell will be here along with... Uh, the rest of the WGN Radio Sports crew. We have a great crew here, so Sports Central will be in great hands uh, next week, and I'm sure they'll have everything covered with the NCAA tournament and beyond. What we screw up today, Ben Anderson? Uh, just have a few corrections. Uh, Daniel Brown is returning as a tight end for the Bears. Uh, Howard Jones is on the roster for the Bears as of okay. right now. And uh, just because I know everybody's worrying after Carmen's story, uh, only eight people were injured on the ski lift of doom. Only eight. The ski lift of doom. Yeah. And yeah, Daniel Brown is a tight end, but I think what I said was uh, that he, safety, special teams, oh, special is, teams is what he's uh, really, I think, is going to be his biggest role on the yeah. team going forward. And, and, and a backup guy. So. Yeah, but Daniel Browns uh, did re-sign today along with Pat O'Donnell, which I probably should have mentioned too, the punter. And Tyler Bray is the Bears' third-string quarterback going forward uh, as he was signed as well. All right, uh, White Sox baseball, by the way. Today at 3 o'clock on WGN Radio, they play the Cubs. So it should be fun. We'll have that game for you on WGN uh, later this afternoon. Cubs, Sox, but you got to listen on 7.20 a.m. We are not allowed to stream the games. That's coming up at 3 o'clock. All right, we're out of here. Have a good week. Uh, I'm I'm sure you will. I'll be back right before the baseball season gets going. Can't wait. It's going to be a fun ride this season. But have a good weekend, and talk to you soon.